The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. The era of the gunslinger is coming to a close, and one man is trying to escape, but is getting pulled back in. Let's talk about Shane this week on Zach on Film. Interesting that you note the uh, era of the gunslinger is coming to an end. Well, I mean, it, uh, I mean, it's kind of right there in the whole movie. You know, a, a, a man is wandering across across the landscape, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to guess this is probably uh, around in north north uh, eastern Colorado. Is what I was no, going. No, this to. actually takes place, um, and they say it, and you see it in the background. This takes place at Jackson, Wyoming. Uh, is where this takes place. Oh, okay. This well, is actually this is mentioned Cheyenne. I mean, the mountains yeah. looked more Colorado than well. Wyoming. What's behind them? And again, when we drive to Nerdtacular every yeah. year, we go through Wyoming. Yeah. So we don't have to twist and turn through the Rocky right, Mountains. Right. Right. But what we don't do is we don't go far enough north in uh, Cheyenne to hit the Grand Tetons, which uh, is what the Moose Mountains are behind. Um, Behind every okay. shot. Behind chain. Yeah, behind chain. Okay. Yeah. Every single shot. Every shot. Every shot. Yeah. And supposedly this is based on some events that actually took place in Jackson, Wyoming around okay. this time period. Okay. But it's, I mean, the, the, the idea of the gunslinger era coming to a close is, mm-hmm. is, is pretty much right there throughout the whole film where a man who uh, is jumpy, wants to reach for his guns all the time, is wandering through the land, trying to go somewhere. He doesn't, it doesn't really seem like he knows where he's going. You think going, Shane's a criminal? Going, uh no, I think Shane killed a lot of people. So I guess probably he probably is a hired gun, like the the other guy we see in the film. Jack Palance. I think he's credited as Walter Jack Palance in this movie. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, I think he's probably like that because he knew who the guy yeah. was yeah. when he came into town, and yeah. so he had a background, and he's pretty fast. So I'm sure he was out killing some people. Oh, I mean, and he could have been he could have been anything, right? He's a gunfighter. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to cast Shane in the best light possible, he could have probably been a sheriff's deputy someplace. Could have yeah. been. And sure. just spend a lot of time shooting bad guys. Yeah. yeah. But he never, but he never says, oh yeah, I was yeah, a sheriff yeah, yeah. before. So. No, but yeah, yeah. I, my guess, I mean, what I think would be s- strongest for the character, if you want to give him a backstory, it would be both. Is that mm-hmm. at times he was a sheriff's deputy, at times he was in a posse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just been a gun for hire. So run us down the story of Shane. Uh, so we were recovered at the beginning. Shane... Uh, wanders through this this farmstead of a of a family, who he finds out are being trying to run out by this land baron guy. Uh, he's trying to kick out everyone in in the area so we can have all of his land to run through his cattle through, and he doesn't have to deal with all these little folk. Did you learn about that in your U.S. history about the People age of land? the age of barbed wire and how it really changed changed the way this country grew? Uh, because again, uh, no. if you think about what's going on in Montana and Wyoming, it's just nobody is out there like today. Yeah, yeah, Western Kansas. Um, and so 
the hell was that? Um, that was an electronic device. Yes, it was. <laughs> Not present in the <laughs> in the time period of this movie. But um, so ranchers would just let the cattle run wild over millions upon millions upon millions of acres. Sure. And because they were letting their cattle roam free and do whatever they want, and because they would then drive them to Chicago or Omaha or Dodge City or wherever mm-hmm. that they were doing their, their cattle drives to, they would take – they thought that they had ownership of that land, that that was their land. But then there's this thing called the Homestead Act. Right. And the Homestead Act basically said, we're going to give you a free plot of land. I don't know how many acres it was. I want to say 20 acres, maybe. Maybe a little bit more than Enough. that. Enough. But you would go out there. You would stake your claim on what land you want. But you had to work the land. And if you worked the right. land and stayed on that land for X amount of time, that land became yours. Right. And so what happened was there were a lot of people that were like, hey, I want to have something better than what I'm doing right now working in this factory and losing fingers. I want to go out and, and uh, stake my claim out in the West. Mm-hmm. And they did. And as they were trying to claim their land, one of the first things that you do is you put up a fence. And so barbed wire was one of the things that they would do because it would keep out all animals. It, sure. would, it would, you know, I got a huge scar on my arm because of barbed wire. I have one on my ankle. There you go. Ah, uh, growing up in Kansas. I know, <laughs> I know right? Uh, and so it was a great way to keep unwanted animals out. We see that happening here in, in the beginning of Shane where the deer and the, the caribou or whatever that are wandering around the antelope um, are just coming into the garden and eating the garden and nobody likes that. Um, and so barbed wire redefined how the West was formed. And that caused a lot of problems when all of a sudden this land that you thought your cattle were grazing on suddenly is being blocked off, especially in passages where you would normally cross. And we see that happening yeah. a lot in with the, uh, the what's their name, Start, yep. um, with their land, mm-hmm. in that it's a low point where people would cross the river. Of right. course, you're going to want to get some land next, next to a river yeah, or water absolutely. body. And now you're putting up fences where your cattle can't cross and you can't cross. Mm-hmm. And it started to create a huge, um, huge uh, controversies between the cattle barons the and the, and the, the farmers. Man. Yeah, yep. the, the farmsteader. Yeah. And this is really looking at that part of American history and showing you what kind of hardships they were putting up with. This is a lot different than, and it's a movie I'd, we haven't reviewed on the show, but we've talked about, um, uh, Once Upon a Time in America, where it's about the railroad coming through and who mm-hmm. owns that land where the railroad's coming through is going to be infinitely rich. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit different, but it's it's fascinating. The first time that I watched Shane was in high school, and I remember our uh, history teacher kept talking about Shane, 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 and everybody's like, what are you talking about, old man? Kind of like Zach does today. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you guys have never seen Shane. You don't understand how important this this was in the shaping of American of America. And so he made us watch Shane for like three days straight in his uh, American <laughs> history class, because that's about how long this movie is. Um, it's about three days. And it, I, that was the first time I watched it. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. But then there are some other things that happen, Zach. So mm-hmm. go ahead with yeah, your yeah, telling so, of the story. So, uh, the cattle baron guy who's trying to take everyone in town finally starts taking some action. You know, he's, um, uh, was the order. No, he, was roughing people up, driving their cattle through their land, destroying their crops and their fences. He just running right through their, essentially like right next to their house, and uh, try to take them out. Try to buy some people out. Uh, try to hire Shane away from them to possibly probably just turn right back on the people. Um, but the homesteaders gather together and they're not going to take anymore. They're going to stand. Uh, this is their land. They built their homes. They're 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 tending the land. 
Uh, they're going to stick it out and just deal with any negative consequences that might come. Uh, they celebrate the 4th of July for a little bit in there. And then uh, <laughs> I, I thought that was a weird part. But it was like, eh, eh, America, let's just go with it. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's a couple of, there's a couple of reasons. I mean, they tied in. There's a there's a reason for everybody to get together. Right, and, everyone in and town. Again, when you're living five miles or a mile away from somebody, any chance that you had to get together to celebrate was a good thing. Yeah. If we're talking about forging the West and moving West and really making America, then it makes sense that the July 4th weekend features prominently in this. Mm-hmm. Um, also, it's the um, anniversary of um, Start and his wife. What's, right. what's, what's his first name? I want to say uh, John. 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 Joe. 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 Okay. Joe Stark. Uh, Joe yeah. and his wife, uh, it's their wedding anniversary right. also on that day. So there's a lot of reasons for people to get together and celebrate. Yeah. And you know what? When I went and looked at the history of Jackson, Wyoming, a lot of people just refer to it as Jackson Hole. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time that this setting takes place, that the story takes place, in the census, in the U.S. census, there were only like 56 people in Jackson, Wyoming. So sense. we may have seen an accurate representation of everybody <laughs> Every that, lives, that lived, lived in, that in area, Jackson yeah. in that time period. Right. Which, at, um, well, eventually in the film, uh, they have like this hothead uh, rebel that's amongst their midst. And uh, and by rebel, you mean not somebody who's against them, no, but no, no, somebody I mean, who actually fought, fought in the, for the Confederate Army. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, which, which, which made me laugh at one point because he goes into the bar where a lot of the 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 cattle guys hang out right he's ordering a drink it's a fourth of july weekend i think and uh he's taking these shots whatever and he says um a giving a toast to like the great greatest state in the union and i thought he was just gonna say whatever state they were in because that would they, they live there they're proud of where they are yeah. and then he says alabama i was like wait they're not trying to tell me this movie's in Alabama, are they? No, no, because that would be crazy. That's where he. That's the state. Right. He was and then I was like, oh wait, no, no, no. He's he's just, he's just a rebel. He's from, he's a crazy kid from. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was also in the Maltese Falcon, as I remember. Hey, look at that. Uh, eventually, they kind of call him on being a hothead, and he gets shot by the hand. Uh, the gunslinger yeah. the guy brings in to kind of scare the people. Right. Um, oh, damn, lying. But eventually, the, the 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 what I was going to get to was they're 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 burying him, and some of the people are going to leave. And then Joe Start is talking about how uh, this is going to be like the great place. Everyone's are going to there's going to be schools and churches all over the place. I'm like, dude, there's like 15 of you. How many people are? How, no one's moved in in this amount of time. This came in this movie. Come on, and like then you finally get like a far away shot mm-hmm. uh, of like their quote town. Yeah, <laughs> you because we think we've seen these movies where we don't really see like a distance shot. Well, right. it's like it's usually like just a back lot or whatever, but. You would assume there's probably a couple of buildings around here. They're going to town, you know, they're going to go to a couple different places. And then you see a, a thing. It's three buildings. Yeah. <laughs> it's and they're tiny. like log. Yeah. 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 Log cabins. Yeah. 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 I just thought it was really funny. But, well, you know, what he's talking about, though, is, and this is, this happens all the time. Once the, once the settlement is established mm-hmm. and people know that, hey, there's people living out there, there are resources. Uh, we can have the Sears uh, Roebuck catalog uh, things delivered to us. Yeah. Then more people might be interested in coming to that location. And if you've ever or, seen the TV series Deadwood, mm-hmm. that's exactly what happens. There are some people that go out into the Black Hills of of uh, South Dakota, mm-hmm. 
North Dakota, South Dakota, I think. And oh, they same state. And they um, <laughs> and they uh, they stake these these gold claims and start saying, well, this is where we're going to form our town. And there were like five or six of them that went there initially, mm-hmm. formed the town. Then they found that there was gold, and some more people came out. And then when word got out, and then they started building all the streets and. Suddenly, people start immigrating into into Deadwood, and it's the mm-hmm. same thing that's happened with uh, with Jackson, Wyoming, in the, in mm-hmm. this story. It, that that's what they're hoping will happen. Sure. Uh, so eventually, uh, they kill a guy, and oh. they're all pretty upset about it. But and then they burn down a guy's house. They yeah. see he's about he's about to leave. He's like, "I'm done." We're like, they killed one of our friends. They're not going to stop. We're just going to leave. And then you see their house burning down. So you think. Well, now they're totally just gone. Like, forget right. this, we're leaving. No, just start rousing speech. Rallies of the troops. They're going to go build back that log cabin. But first, they're going to take pails and put out that fire. Yeah. Uh, that, that was that great. That scene, I think, has the funniest line in the movie. <laughs> Which is? Where he's like, I built that cabin, or like, I built that house with my two hands. It's like, you didn't build the annex for yeah, the yeah, girls. Yeah, so I was like, yeah. I was going to get to that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, so- and then eventually, Shane... Uh, Goes into town uh, after a long, a long uh, fist, uh, fisticuff fight with uh, Start to battle over who's going to be the manly man and take mm-hmm. this guy down. Uh, Shane wins. Shane goes and, and pops some, some pop, pops some fools, and then he rides out into the dusk. Hmm. Interesting. What's what is Zach missing completely out of this movie? Uh, a tiny child, a little toe. Oh, yeah, he's there. Shane. Which is. Well, I'll, I'll get to an idea I have with him later. Okay, but please, yeah, go, please go, because, I mean... No, the idea was, I think it'd be really funny to take that kid's face, which we see in 40% of the movie, or it's just, like, him full frame, yeah. and you just see him, like, looking... Kind of cross-eyed. You, and you just, like, interject him into all, like, these crazy movie plots, <laughs> and you just cut to that kid's face. Go it's for like, it. What's going on? Go for it. <laughs> go the for first it. one I thought of was... Uh, oh, no. Uh, Western movie we watched a long time ago. The Searchers. Nope. It's good. It's a spaghetti western. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, good, the bad, and the ugly. That that last scene oh, when they're all their eyes, and you just throw him in there. <laughs> make it, yeah, make yeah. It so Zach, make no, it uh, so right. So what's his name? Billy, Bob, uh, uh, Joey, Joey, Joey. Joe, Joe, and Joey. That's right. He was uh, named after his dad. Right, John. You remember? Uh, John. <laughs> he's he, he's very prevalent in this movie. He's kind of the big supporter of Shane. And he's kind of the, a big Shane fan. He's just tagging along and he, everywhere, and he's always pretty much where he shouldn't be. Uh, and I realized I had actually seen part of this movie when there's about a 20-minute fist fight in a bar between Shane and the guys yeah. and the kids in there. Is that when he's with the the candy cane? Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. I realized yeah. at that point I had seen part of this movie before. Um, but he's there, and he kind of, to me, was like... In, because he was a child, he was like all star-eyed about this this figure who comes into his life, who's who can who he believes can sling guns around and shoot like crazy. And eventually, I mean, he shows him he can, and he's kind of blown away by it. But he kind of like embodied the spirit of never wanting this person to ever leave. And I mean, he actually is like yelling in the movie for him to come back. Like he doesn't want him to leave because there's something uh, inside of him that Shane like touches on that uh, he doesn't want to go away. So the kid's name Bob. Bobby. Hmm. Um, the actor, you mean? No, that's his name in the movie is Bob Starrett. Oh, it's, Joey. You know, it's totally Joey. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Because when I'm reading, it says Bob. But anyway. They're crazy. Anyway, here's the thing. Joey's growing up in a boring place of Wyoming. Yeah. 
Nothing no exciting ever happens. His dad doesn't want to teach him to shoot guns. Won't even let him put a bullet in his, in his uh, little cheap rifle. And then something new comes into town. Something different comes into town. And for a kid that has a boring life, something interesting is going to catch and probably hold your attention. Mm-hmm. And maybe even develop some hero worship off of this. Oh, sure. I mean, this kid yeah. is totally infatuated with everything Shane. Mm-hmm. Shane this, Shane that, blah, 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 blah. Well, shut up hey. about Shane. At least the dad's kind enough to know, you know, that this kid just has this infatuation. And, he's, and the mom is saying, hey, you know, someday he's going to go away. You know, don't get your hopes set up too high. You're going to be heartbroken. Um, at least the dad never says, would you shut up about Shane? I'm tired it's, of hearing about Shane all the time. The mm-hmm. whole dynamic between Shane and Joe Sr. Mm-hmm. is really interesting in this movie yeah. because it's very clear that Joey loves Shane. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that him and Mrs. Sterrett have something, have an oh. attraction. Right. Just, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's never really explored, but it's clear that they're attracted to each other. Because Alan Ladd mm-hmm. takes his shirt off in the movie. Yep. It almost wow. felt like when Shane first comes in that they know each other. Like that's what, like they're still like connected. It seems like they right. know each other. Yeah, from yeah, somewhere yeah. They're, else. they're 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 really into each other. And yeah, that's very clear. So great acting there because at no moment does anybody say anything like that Mm-mm. except the bad guy implies it. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And that, that's what makes him bad. Right, right. Or part of what makes him bad is that he assumes the worst. But when you, when you look at Shane with the, with the Stark family, it's basically Shane in that, you know, that archetypical life that he's never had. And the movie is, is really clever the way that they kind of insinuate him into this life and then make it clear and clearer and clearer that not only does he not actually have it, he's never going to have it and he never yeah, will ever, ever, fit, ever. Yeah. yeah. You don't fit. You're, you're the, you're the thing. And he says it at the end. We're just relics of the old what I, every cowboy talks like John. But yeah, I really appreciated and get, don't get me wrong. It's 1953. They wouldn't have said it anyway, but I really appreciated how subtle the attraction between Shane and Marion was played because they were, they were acting up a storm there. Usually she chewed the scenery, but with, with the stuff with Alan Ladd, that girl was just like, <laughs> well, and- well, but it, it's, it's made clear that yeah. Oh, yeah. she is number one faithful to her husband. Yeah. And, She's and, not and, that's, cheat. and that's really what's very interesting in this movie is that this is a conflict that, doesn't get fully played out explicitly. You mm-hmm. know, at the very end, uh, Joe is like, I'm going to go to spring this trap on me mm-hmm. and shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. Mm-hmm. And Shane is like, no, I will go. And he's like, you have a family. And he's like, no, I will go die. And y- maybe you take care of my family. Because yeah. he kind of says yeah. that to his wife. Yeah. Um, so it's like, oh, you all like Shane so much better, kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. But yeah. also, but also not quite that whiny. It's like mm-hmm. there's a level that I feel if this movie was made today, somebody would have out loud said, "I'm going to go die so you guys can be with Shane." Oh yeah. And and the other way around, I'm not gonna let you die because your family needs you and not me. Mm-hmm. But the it, movie never fully explicitly it, it, says it. It kind of does. I, I guess the the biggest thing is that. Uh, Joe Senior is this uh, is an idealist, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. has this ideal that we the homesteaders 
have to stand up right. to Riker at all cost. And really, no it's... matter what, even if it means that we die, mm-hmm. I, we have to stand up for it. We can't have somebody come in and fight our fight for us because if we do that, then we're going to have to bring someone in to fight our fight for us all the time. So in his mind, he is so ideal idealistically wrapped up in this notion that he has to be the man in this story and go and fight his own battles Mm -hmm. that he's willing to sacrifice himself, even if that means he's not with his wife and kids anymore. So from his character perspective, I think that's where he's coming from it. There's a moment in the movie where he sees uh, uh, Shane and his wife dancing and he kind of you see a little recognition in his eyes. Oh, yeah, Yeah, yeah. they they work good together. or They like each other. And that's, Mm. you know, whatever. But it's very clear that she is very faithful to her husband. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Really? Oh, go ahead. If they made this movie today. Shane would be played by a big action hero and Joe would die before Shane did what he did so that Shane would get the the wife and kid at the end of the movie that's i think that i think is the problem with today's modern movies is they made this seat the sequence where shane could not have whatever is going on in the whole thing and it's it is very subtle but i think the the expectation was kind of could i have this and then he's given the option to let joe go and die and he says no Obviously not. He's not going to let Joe go and die. He well, they, they they haven't remade Shane, but Pale Rider with Clint Eastwood is definitely an homage to mm-hmm. George Stevens' movie um, in many of the themes and many of the plot points from from Pale Rider. Well, and and interestingly, I think maybe also if it was made today or or a uh, a simpler movie would have been to have everyone rally around Shane to make Shane that good guy, that strong guy that mm-hmm. everyone rallies around, but they're not. The whole time it's Joe. And in fact, there's kind of like, basically there's a sub-movie to Shane, right. which is Joe uh, trying to keep everyone together. Right. Um, and it's and, and in that sense, it's his thing. And Shane like tries like keeps trying to leave while that's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, Shane, stick around. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't want I don't want to deal with the politics right. of it. And and it's interesting because it gives Joe a lot of character. I mean, it's basically in one little thing. It's like um, it's just like a twelve angry men, mm-hmm. or like a watership down, yeah. mm-hmm. or like yeah. you know all of that stuff. Is like like smart character trying to keep everyone together. Otherwise, everyone's like everything's yeah, everything gonna fall falls apart. apart. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why but, I said he's so idealistically wrapped up in that that he's willing to do everything. The real interesting thing is that it's not Shane. Right, it's a different character, and at no point does Shane cross that line. Right, Shane is a gun yeah he is he is a walking gun yeah. and at no point does he pretend to be well and that's else. and that's why i think that the the hero worship aspect of this story is overshadows everything else about this movie in the fact that here's a boy who really from the very first moment we see him is infatuated with guns and shooting things and killing things um and his dad is just cool on guns he doesn't like using yeah. them but you know mm-hmm. he's not and the mom doesn't really care for him that much uh you use it to get your food you use it to defend yourself uh, but you don't use it to go out and intentionally well, go out and kill people and so when shane rides up suddenly this whole kid's focus is on shane and how great shane is and how he worships shane i mean the kid never says anything in that movie about how great his dad is and from that perspective um the father joe is basically stripped away of being the man. And that's why he is willing to jump in and fight 
uh, with Shane in the bar. That's why he's willing to take on Riker on his own because, and again, he is trying to settle. The subtext is that he's trying to redeem himself and show that you don't have to have a gun to be a man. Mm -hmm. But if that's what you Mm -hmm. think, here's what's going to happen. That's that's an interesting read because I I really felt that Joe never lets him have it. Like Joe just always keeps doing his thing and is like, well, if my son really loves Mm -hmm. Shane, then like he can love Shane. Like Mm -hmm. at no point does he say, no, stop talking about Shane. Mm -hmm. Um, I I never felt that he, it's like Shane starts getting beat up and you'd think is like, well, he's going to get beat up. Mm-hmm. Like, but he jumps in and helps him, mm-hmm. right? You know, because he's like a guy. Because who his does son the right is thing. sitting there watching the whole thing, and he's like, well, "I mean, we that's a, jump that's a, that's an interesting." Like, I didn't get that, but th- I'm not saying that's an invalid no, no. read. I think no, that's that's I my read on it. Is that of, this yeah. emasculate, emasculating Joe right. throughout the whole movie because his wife's kind of into Shane, his son's really into oh, Shane. Everybody's mm-hmm. willing to rally around Shane, and I think it's the. It's the lack of an explicit moment where Joe goes, oh, gosh, everybody mm-hmm. loves Shane, but not me. But, like, you just never see him drop that. Like, yeah. he is, like, you can read this always as Joe is a guy who always does the right thing. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. though this guy rolled into town and he mm-hmm. is totally, star. yeah, he's totally v- Veronica to his Betty yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... It's- and uh, at the end of the movie where Joe and Shane are rumbling it out in the yard to uh, go take on the big bad guys, um, it, there's two in- interesting things about Joe is that he's not, from the way I read it, is not fighting to go fight the fight so Shane doesn't have to. He's fighting because he wants to keep his land. And that, that, that that's his whole purpose. It's not like to take him out. But then... What is really interesting is when Shane pulls out his gun and then hits Joe in the head with the butt of it yeah. to essentially knock him out. Well, and then Joey is really upset at Shane. Yeah. yeah. Because now he realizes that Shane fought dirty. Yep. Faint, Shane didn't fight fair. And you sure. you hurt my dad. Now you're a dick. Mm-hmm. But here's where the hero worship, though, continues. That even though J- Joey is mad... Mm-hmm. He still runs like heck through the dark oh, in yeah. the wilderness of coyote-infested north northwest Cheyenne, Wyoming of Wyoming, sorry, and uh, goes to watch this battle between these two gunfighters. Yeah, and maybe save Shane's life by alerting him. Well, I mean, he does. Yeah, I'd he say he does. does. Shane Shane does uh, a thing that is. Uh, repeated in the Ryan Gosling movie uh, Drive. Oh yeah, Drive. Yeah. When uh, spoilers, if you've never seen the movie, he gets into a big fight with uh, the big bad in that movie at the end, and eventually gets like stabbed, but like still like drives off at the mm-hmm, end. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally the same thing here with Shane. As mm. Shane is, you don't even really like see him wounded, but you know they like reference he's bleeding. Yeah. So and the- then still rides off. So you eventually you you think. He, they're gonna drop like because in drive he's pretty much stabbing stuff and he's pretty much gonna die. Right, like, it's pretty explicit. And Shane not he's not like going to get medical attention. He got shot. He's right. like he's in the he's the the the, the I read is like he's gonna go off and he's like he's gonna die, which is fine. Is, it's just fine. That with is him. a that is a good question to ask yourself. When they told the story, it's clear by the way Alan Ladd is acting after he shoots the guy up in the balcony that he's been shot because he 
stops using his left arm uh, throughout the rest of the piece. And then you have little Joey going, oh, you're bleeding. And it's like, well, you don't see any blood. Why is little Joey going to see all the blood? Uh, maybe only to insert the line of it's OK. It's it's not a big deal. And then he mm-hmm. goes riding off into the into the dusk with uh, Joey screaming, Shane, come back, Shane. Um, but that does bring in, into a good question that a lot of people will debate is, did Shane die? Where does he live? It I, is. Oh, go ahead. No, I, it, it is a question. And that's the main thing that I came out of this is I think he died. Because at the end, what, what does he say? There are no more guns in the valley. All, all of the guns are dead except for him. And he's leaving and he's going to go out and he's going to die under a tree somewhere. And then everyone in the valley will be safe to stead their homes. No, I think he's just leaving the valley. There's no reason to be here anymore. So when he says no more guns in the valley, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I think. Go ahead. Thanks. You're good. Ah, thank you. It's. uh, No, no, no. After you. It's an interesting read to say that he dies um, because no matter what. Uh, Shane leaving the valley does give you the end of the era of the gunfighter, right? Yeah. So no matter what, in quotes at least, Shane dies because he's the last gun and he right. is gone. Right. Right? Um, I kind of want that to be the case, but there just wasn't enough, I felt, that uh, Alan Ladd was giving me of I've been mortally wounded. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, uh, Joey keeps talking to him, and he's not like... Shut up, kid. I'm bleeding to death. Well, or he's not like, oh, it's nothing. Again, like, his portrayal of it is, like, so <laughs> subtle Yeah, that I'm like, it, it really looks like it was just a scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, So, like, to me, the performance of it to, like my read is, although I would prefer it if Shane went <laughs> off to die under a tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I it, like you don't the, like Shane. No, well, I think what the piece is saying is stronger if Shane dies at the end, right? Because again, he's the last samurai, right? Right, right. Not to be confused with the last samurai, which is not about this at all. <laughs> um, but he's the last gunfighter, also not the same movie. Um, and. His death would finally bring the end of that era and the beginning of the era of, like, the homesteader, right? Mm -hmm. You know the biggest argument why I think he's dead? Why no? This was 150 years ago. Oh, Oh, look at that. And Uh, Alan Ladd's, like, 50 in this movie. (laughs) I I would like to think if Shane doesn't die, that he goes and he just never talks to anyone for the rest of his life ever again. Like he goes into such a place cause he, the, the only thing he knows is well, he's really heading North. I mean, he's going to Canada is where he's going to. Mm. Sure. Canada. Uh, but he just like never sees anyone again and just has Becomes to like, a hermit. Live. yeah. And just, is like trying to like, he's just wandering cause he did his whole life of now it's like everyone doesn't really need him anymore or at least want him. Uh, what I was thinking while I was watching this was, and then looked up some mainly just like a couple movie other movie days. Is like I really wish this would have been the same movie, but released uh, like the end of the fifties in the beginning of the sixties, because then you can get like this weird uh, 
end of the gunslinger era, but then also like the end of the rootin' tootin' cowboy movie. But that's exactly what's happening in here, and that's what I was taking some notes on. Um, High Noon came out in 52, Rio Bravo in 59, or yeah, 57, Searchers in 56. This right. movie came out in 53. What right. movie did we just see that also came out in 1953? All the sci-fi. Uh, like, all the sci-fi. All the sci-fi, all the sci-fi yeah. stuff. Right. These movies in, in, um, are really signaling the end of one film genre transitioning into another film genre. So it's, it is almost right. fitting that we have Shane coming in right at the same year that War yeah. of the Worlds is taking place, and they are two yeah. totally opposite movies. Which was interesting because, I, you know, I usually like look up the years of the movies, and the, really the, all the sci-fi movies we watched were kind of released in this cluster of about four years, right, right. in the early, mm-hmm. uh, early 50s. And I thought Shane, I was like, Shane's probably something like in the 40s or something, mm-hmm. I assume. But then it was like 53, uh, mm-hmm. so it was like right right smack in the middle. Actually, production took place in 1951. It took two years to edit because uh, they just weren't happy because with the edit. Because they were so bored? It, there well, was just no, he so just, much sand. <laughs> he just kept editing yeah. and re-editing and re-editing the film. Oh, like at a one, Chinese democracy situation. Yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, at one point... Um, at one point, um, Howard Hughes was possibly involved in uh, taking over the production of the movie and financing the movie until mm-hmm. he realized that this guy is just never going to end the film, and so he <laughs> backed out. But then it originally, then it got finished and was released in 1953. Yeah. So. And I didn't look this up. I'm just going to talk off my head. Uh, well, it was one interesting. The movie's in color. Yeah. And a lot color. of the sci-fi stuff. Well, co- what War of the War of the Worlds War was, the in was in color. But uh, what wasn't? It was um, uh, body, body snatchers. Body snatchers. Day of the Earth stood still. That was fifty, like one fifty-two, 50, right? Oh, I'll have to go back and look, but I want to say like fifty-six, maybe. But maybe we were just watching like restored versions of all those films. But I felt like this was a different aspect ratio of film. Okay, so I don't have the the page up, but yeah, this was one of the first movies that they were going to release in the widescreen format, mm-hmm. and um, I'd have to. I have to go up and find did exactly what it was. Did something fall through on it? No. It's just, it, this is like, this is like was, one two or something, So it? It, what they did was, uh, Shane was the first film to be projected in a flat widescreen, meaning you didn't have to have a, a, a curved a screen. Curve. Oh, okay. And so what they did was that they set up the Academy ratio with this film of 1.37, which is, mm. um, I don't know, you go and look and see what um, 4 by 3 is. Um, it's a little bit wider than... Uh, the four by three, uh, four by three, your television screen is 1.33 mm-hmm. uh, ratio. So this is just a little wider than your standard television, uh, standard definition television of 1.37. Um, the nice thing about the Academy ratio is they didn't have to crop the image much like when you were going to a really widescreen format, which is the widescreen format of today of uh, 1.66, where you actually sometimes put a bars, a bars yeah. at the top and bottom of, of your projection. Uh, when it's anamorphically projected so that you can uh, keep it on the screen. Right. That's that's probably the biggest thing about... Well, there's two things. So the aspect ratio thing was was one thing mm-hmm. about this movie. Uh, the other thing was this was the first movie where they uh, hooked a wire up to a guy and yanked him backwards whenever they got shot. Oh, really? And that's because that's the director of photography had gone through, and I don't remember which... Had to have been World War II, and yeah. had seen people getting shot in the battlefield, and he knew what a bullet could do to somebody, and he's like, well, this is what happens when someone gets shot, and here's how we can they replicate hold, that. They hold their chest, and they do a pirouette yes. before falling <laughs> over. Yes. And they fall and land on their back. Yep. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and even today, a lot of times when you're going to be doing, uh, getting shot, they're going to hook you up to a harness. Oh, man. 
they're going to yank a, put a wire on you and they're either going to have a, a winch or they're going to have a five guys uh, behind you with a, with <laughs> a, a, strong, a strong winch. winch. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they're going to they're going to yank on you and, and make you fly backwards into a pile of pillows or mattresses or whatever. So it is it, it does seem I was thinking about that today. I was like, I've seen lots of people do that. It always just seems very dangerous just from a potential whiplash situation because you're being yanked backwards and your head is being thrown forwards and well and that's why that's why they pay stuntmen to do that yeah. but a lot of times they i mean a lot of times it is the actor having to perform that stunt well that's something that the actor negotiates yeah i'm sure mm-hmm. uh, it's like if you've done one of those bungee run things yeah. if i was an yeah. actor dangerous. i would definitely yeah. just have a stunt person yeah that seems dangerous what else, Zach, about this? Um, well, I just did some quick uh, looking really quick. This was directed by George Stevens. Yeah. Uh, I was going through his uh, filmography really quick, uh, just flicking through it on the IMDb, because Shane is not like uh, thematically, and just, I mean, just the, the whole story is not anything we've normally seen from like the Western genre. So I just wanted like, did this mm-hmm. dude do really any more Westerns? No, not really. Uh, from what I've looked at it, I don't like. I don't recognize any of these movies, but none of them, on the face value, especially look like uh, Western movies. They kind of look like uh, I don't know what, like movies that would have been playing in the world of American graffiti. The Diary of Anne Frank. Yeah, George Stevens. Greatest story ever. Greatest oh, story yeah. ever told. Uh, that's with uh, Giant. You know. I don't know what that is. You don't know Sounds what giant pretty, is? Giant, pretty cool. That's, 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 that's the Western uh, with James Dean. Yeah, that's James oh, really? Dean and the oil well thing. Yeah. Uh, you go check that out. It's it's worth it's, it's worth watching. Although, um, well, use the review on IMDb. Gypsy says three stars for giant. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, or, uh, no giant. I don't know. It's just some weird name. They only give it three stars. Okay. Giant. Man. <laughs> giant. It's giant. not technically a Western because it takes place. Like 1920s, not right, 1800s. Right. It's like fistful of dollars yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And it's all about oil and refrigeration yeah, sure. units. And but that's that interesting. Like, because just the way it played, it didn't feel like someone that was in the system of making westerns, just cranking them out, cranking them out. But he is in the business of making really big pictures. Yeah. Like the greatest story ever told, the story of Jesus, you know, is, yeah. is a pretty big deal. The Diary of Van Frank was a big deal. Giant was a big deal. Um, so he he was doing some really kind right. of big deal movies, but just like the. So I don't know the but rest right. of his Shane doesn't like seem jumping to, into yes. a different genre is something yeah, interesting. That, you know, and it a, might we might uh, towards the end of this see something like that too. You know, I think from a director standpoint, there are some people that work really well in certain genres, right? Right. Where, um, I, you know, this person works really well doing comedies. This person works really well doing. Um, big explosion movies with lots of lens flares. Mm-hmm. This person works really well doing this. But what I think really is interesting is when a do- director, someone like Steven Spielberg, can say, you know what? I'm going to dr- direct a kid's movie. And then yeah. I'm going ad- right. to direct an adventure movie. And then I'm going to direct a very serious, personal, um, historical film. Mm-hmm. And then just really experiment with different films and, and telling different stories that affect the director. And I think... Sometimes directors take the jobs because it's like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's neat. Right. Or this is my specialty is doing right. these kind sometimes, of films. Sometimes directors take the jobs because somebody offers them a pile of money to yes. make a yes. very similar yes. movie to something they've done before. Yes. Yep. And that's the key point. Similar to what they've yep. done before. Yep. Um, as opposed to some directors who really look for stories that are personal to them and they think that they can contribute or tell this story in a very specific way. 
So don't lock yourself into one thing all the time. Oh yeah, no, I I find don't that don't become a don't become a westerns director, right? Zach. Right. That's why uh, I find uh, Kevin Smith's Red State one of his more compelling films, and I'm really interested in seeing Tusk. Uh, yeah, I am too. But I mean, I won't get to until it comes out on yeah digital or something. And I, you know. And we talk, Zach and I talk a lot about Kevin Smith a lot because we listen to his podcast, uh, Smodcast, and we listen to, do you listen to Hollywood Babylon? Uh, I pepper them in. I okay. find it pretty funny. What I, what I find fascinating about Kevin Smith, and especially with um, Red State, and even more so with Tusk, is he's just like, and he's even said it, and I read an interview with him just uh, last week or so when, when Tusk was about to be released, where he was saying, you know, a lot of directors and a lot of filmmakers will tell stories based on that have some kind of bearing in his life. And he's like, if you mm-hmm. look at all the movies that I did before Red State, they were basically my story told on screen. Right. And he's like, I got nothing else to tell about my life story. So now I need to go out and explore and try something completely different, mm-hmm. which led to Red State. And then went through Smod- the Smodcast with uh, uh, his producer, uh, forgot his name. Mosier. Mosier, Scott yeah. Mosier. They came up with with Tusk yeah. and then Yoga Hosers, which may be a return to Kevin Smith type storytelling. Right, style. but the Buesque last Buesque one's stuff. not going to be Yoga Hosers. No, the third one in his Canada trilogy, uh, Moose Jaws. Oh yeah, yeah, which is basically a Jaws with a moose. Yeah, some some like Canadian yeah, mythological yeah. <laughs> thing he discovered while. Well, it's basically Tusk. it's basically he's gonna he's gonna retell Jaws, yeah. but with a moose instead of a shark. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, Yoga Hosers. Uh, <laughs> The interesting thing about Yoga Hosers is that there's one scene in Tusk that he was able to get his daughter, Harley mm-hmm. Quinn, and um, Johnny Depp's daughter, both to be these two American-hating Canadian store clerk uh, girls right. and totally disengaged. And he said after he watched their performance, he was like, oh, I would just want to write a whole movie around those two. But the fact that it's two store clerks <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is kind of going back to the wheelhouse. And sure. he now acknowledges that he, he's yeah. made that connection of, Oh yeah, that's right. Right. Um, but I, but I think the thing that's interesting about Kevin Smith is he's willing to try to rediscover himself, to reimagine himself and rebuild himself. Yeah. Um, to where he doesn't always have to fall back on, hey, mm-hmm. I'm the guy that did, did clerks. Right. And, oh, by the way, Tusk gave me all the financing so I can do. Right. And that's what, myself. uh, some people were making, uh, kind of a fuss about Kevin Smith on uh, the movie subreddit on Reddit this week uh, about how he like tweeted that it didn't it didn't perform very well second week uh, in theaters oh, it Tusk. dropped it, yeah Tusk yeah. dropped off huge and uh, had a horror, didn't have a very good opening and they were like everyone was complaining like oh he's overrated they, they didn't market it very well uh, they were just kind of bashing the film like he's overrated but uh, what I find so interesting about Kevin Smith, uh, the more I like, read and stuff, and is how open he is with like the film making process and it was just about everything, yeah. especially the yeah, financial that Nerdist, stuff. That Nerdist uh, discussion was oh, really yeah. great, where he was talking about how when they were casting Tusk, everyone is like, "Well, here's this actor. Look at all the Twitter followers yeah. he has, and you should cast him just because of his Twitter followers." And he's yeah. like, "No, I want to get Johnny Depp in Tusk." Yeah. So, uh, but eventually. Kevin actually jumped on the subreddit discussion about Tusk and him and gave this whole explanation of people like people were talking about how there's no way anyone made their money back. And he got on there. He's like, yo, uh, someone bought this for international dis- distribution. We made all our money back right then. Yeah. Sony and pictures. Th- yeah. So, yeah. And so, uh, 
so and what I just think is he understands uh, his following, how much it takes. He said Tusk costs three million dollars to make, which is pretty freaking low. Uh, and so he just understands the financial aspects of film and will explain yeah. it enough where he knows he can cover it yes. and then make everyone money. Yes. And, and I forget, he can keep himself to a budget. There was another, and it was maybe another Smodcast or something else where he went in and he says, he's basically saying, yes, I know who my audience is. I know mm-hmm. how many people follow me and I know how many people are going to buy into my, my stuff yeah. so I can calculate what's going to, to come out of it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. He's, and, and he even said in the post that he thinks, uh, a 24 who distributed the film in America, uh, was probably a little bit too ambitious. They opened in 600 theaters. They said it probably mm-hmm. should have been smaller. He said originally they were thinking a thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, they said they just was splitting their thing too much. Uh, I don't think Tess is going to make as much movie as money as Red State because Red State, his model was touring it across America like the olden days. And so he made uh, a lot of money off that. Mm-hmm. So I just find that interesting. And that, that all started because Kevin Smith jumped into horror yeah. for some weird thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a you know horror is a bug in his bug in his uh, in his ear that uh, says, yeah. "Hey, maybe I can tell this." Yeah. Well, but again, t- or Tusk Red State came about just because he wanted to tell tell a story that may or may not involve a certain religious group. Sure, um, <laughs> but you know, but Tusk it was, was based something on completely some, different. Yes, it is, was than when what he had been established. Yeah. And as. so, rounding this back around into Shane for George Stevens. Maybe that's what he wanted to do is let's try oh, yeah. a Western. Yeah. Westerns are still popular it, in 1953. I, I, but he, I, but it wasn't just let's tell a Western. It was let's put a lot let's of sub kill the Western. Yeah, let's kill it. And let's explain uh, why this lifestyle isn't happening and why these movies aren't being made anymore. Did you like this movie? Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't like, I don't know how to say I liked it, but I thought it was you can just say I liked it. Um, I mean, Rodrigo, I know I'm not gonna say I like that. I say I enjoyed it. I, I I liked what it was going across. I thought it was slow. Yeah. Um. I think there was yeah some editing problems, which is a, amazing. He spent yeah. so long editing it because yeah. he should have cut this freaking. It's 118 thing minutes. It doesn't feel like it, and it felt like I watched a three-hour film. It felt oh, yeah. like we watched that, Lawrence that of fist Arabia fight. Again. I like so. There's the first fist fight, and I was like, ah, movie, old movie fist fights. Yeah. And then the second fist fight, I was like, actually, this is pretty good. This is pretty decent for what was going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, now it's too long. Yeah. Now yeah. it's gone yeah. on for like 15 minutes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. Which, 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 which fit into my idea of uh, the 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 coming and going of just the Western movie in general, because like just comes out of nowhere, and then it's just around for too long and it got boring <laughs> and then it just goes out with a bang oh, how done. meta yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go rodrigo is this the first time you've seen shane this is the first time i've seen it do you like it I, I i did there's a lot about it that i like um i like the idea of the last of his kind i like the idea it's it's something that we see repeated in multiple different ways right the mm-hmm. last last of the samurai last of mm-hmm. the gunfighters last Third of yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that was very resonant. Um, I thought I was surprised by actually how good of a job the kid did. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a pretty decent decent actor for an eight year old child. He Something does. Like that, yeah. He does a better job than the barkeeper. He's yeah. like, stop hiding, stop hiding right now, stop hiding, guys, stop hiding. You kids, stop your fighting. Yeah. 
That's how no, grandma used it. to break me up. So there's a lot of stuff in here. Uh, there's a lot of like interesting little details. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of like little granular things, like the just like the wildlife being around, mm-hmm. all of like the mm-hmm. weird chores that they do, the mm-hmm. way that their life takes place. Yeah. Everybody getting into a wagon train to go to town. Like there's lots of little crunchy, interesting things about pioneer life that you don't get in a lot of things. You know, you know what was the film- interesting, most interesting thing of that was is the scene uh, where Shane, I believe, is coming back into town or about ready to leave for the first time, and uh, Joe is chopping some wood while Joey's like yes. sitting there with him. The most and dangerous he, way to he, chop wood, and he's chopping wood. He chops this whole thing, and then he brings another log to cut, yeah. and he brings up this measuring stick, stick. like yeah. a literal yeah, measuring stick. stick. It's a yeah. stick off a tree, and he's measuring with it. Yeah, he found like, something that, that was the right length, and he's using that to measure. Yeah. Although that is a terrible way to chop wood, and he's lucky he didn't cut his uh, his ankle open. Yeah, sure. With doing sure. that, yeah. Uh, the thing that I found <laughs> fascinating though was this film felt very authentic. Because when you look, they had to go out and build these buildings. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, this feels like, this doesn't feel like a 1950s Roy Rogers take on the West, This fe- except for the fact that um, Alan Ladd was wearing, you know, a buckskin tasseled sure, uh, sure, sure. suit. But for the fact that, you know, when he does get out of that and he's wearing his dungarees and his, and his work shirt, and the fact that the building and everything felt super authentic. Yeah. Uh, for that time period. Um, and you go again, if you go and look at Pale Rider or something like that, where they're literally building these towns and, and building them in a way that is very close to the time period, I think that's really kind of cool for that. Yeah. Matthew, is this the first time that you saw Shane? First time I've seen all of it in order. I've, I mean, it's one of those movies that you, you see bits and pieces of here and there. And I know I've seen chunks of this along the line. Did you turn it? Turn it into your own personal Tarantino cut by watching just bits and pieces around the world. That's what I do with every movie. Oh, okay. You run into it on cable and you're like, ah, oh, that sure is on cable. And God, finding Nemo like is so it? intense. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I think what I liked was how much of what I appreciated about the movie was all in the subtext. There's a lot that you can interpret out of this movie. And for me, it, it you know, it kind of works as maybe a subverted love story with this Western and the thing, and then Shane dying at the end horribly because he totally died in my head. So yes, it's not a movie that I'm going to seek out to watch again necessarily, but I enjoyed the experience of watching. Yeah, no, you know, I, 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 I hate this movie. Oh, seriously? Yeah, I really don't care for it. Uh, I think out of all the Westerns we watched, this would be one I would rewatch that and like good, the bad and the ugly, yeah. but like any of the John Wayne stuff we watched, like, Oh yeah. wait, no, what was the one? Uh, High Noon? Yeah, I'd watch High Noon again. I would watch High Noon noon over this movie. Oh, so would I. A million times. Probably The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, High Noon, then Shane, for me, would be out of the westerns that we've seen. Yeah, High Noon was super awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was good times. And apparently somewhere in Shane, you can also see the highway in the background somewhere. It's just like very brief. Man, I like seeing those things. So Alan Ladd doesn't really know how to shoot a gun. Oh, he does. (laughs) No. A lot of times, they, I think, if I remember correctly, they were using a, somebody to do the stunt gun work on that. Yeah, when they where, cut, when they they cut, cut to the close-ups of his hands. And Jack Palance uh, didn't like horses and couldn't ride a horse. So, so he doesn't ride a horse. He, uh, in the oh, one he gets off the horse. Uh, in the scene where he's getting on the horse. No, maybe he's dismounting. Yeah. That's actually him getting on the horse 
shot in reverse. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. They had to play that back in reverse because couldn't ride horses. Okay, Which is funny because then you see him in City Slickers mm-hmm. and he's all over riding a horse. There's so yeah, many things. he does things. that throughout Young Guns, too. Yeah. There are just so many things in this movie that I liked that had nothing to do with the plot. I yeah. like that. The Starrett, or yeah, Starrett and uh, what's his face? The bad guy. Riker. Yeah, Riker. Yeah, Rufus Riker. They, Riker yeah, they like, they like meet in the Starrett farm and they're like talking about it and they're like, oh, you should go, you should not go. And both of their gunfighters just kind of like walk over to each other and yeah. they're like, mm-hmm. hey, you want some water? It's like, we're going to have to shoot each other yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah. Like it's... It, it, there was something about that that felt like ancient and mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. I was oh, like, yeah. this is my greatest warrior. Go stand over there. Yeah. <laughs> like, go hang out with the other guy who knows what you're about. I, I did like the the other substory of people will change their mind when they really see an injustice being done. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the ranchers, the guy that was starting all the fights and brawling and everything, when he sees um Rebel getting shot. Mm-hmm. You can see he's really upset about that. And he's the one that goes and talks to Shane and says, hey, I just want to tell you that, you know, they're going to kill you. This is a yeah. setup and, and don't believe die. it. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, he's yeah. really changed his whole tune. Yeah. To, after, after he got in a big fist fight with them. Well, after he saw Rebel getting shot. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying final. is he has every oh, yeah, yeah. reason has... to want Shane to mm-hmm. get shot. Yeah, exactly. But he's like, no, this is wrong. Yeah. There, there's, there's like a lot of interesting little things in this movie. Right. When you put it all together... The movie is just slowly, ed- like, kind of poorly edited. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, its biggest detriment. <laughs> you know, I, um, Brian Brushwood had tweeted a uh, video this week. Um, he was like, why do, why do so many people hate this movie and it's, or hate this little short? And when I watched it, he was like, I think it's, it's cleverly done. And he's right. It is cleverly done, poking fun at, like, I don't know, a Galaxy S4 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or iPhone or something like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you that it's, that it's nice. Problem is it's about f- three minutes too long. It was yeah. a four minute piece. And I was like, uh, that really should have been, it would have been best as a one and a half minute video. And so Zach never underestimate the power of the edit. Yeah. And you can tell a lot without needing to constantly go to a wide shot for five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Five shots. Did your uh, wife watch this with you? She did not. I actually told her after I finished, I said, you're welcome. I watched the movie without you this week. She said, what was it? I said, an old Western. She, she said, might have liked it. Uh, No, she wouldn't have. She would have thought it was boring. This has a little bit of, uh, I think, I don't know. I'd be interested in our, our female listeners. If you've seen mm-hmm. Shane, if you like Shane. Because this seems something like my wife would watch this and kind of Kind of really dig it for some reason. There's a there's a I'm lot not saying of, it's a chick flick. There's a lot of moments in Shane that I think, like even to me, I was like, "This is such a dude moment, right?" Like, that even mm. I like barely understand <laughs> why they're fighting at this moment. <laughs> and I'm like, "You guys stop! Like boys are dumb." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> final thoughts and get us out of here, Zach. Uh, final thoughts. I, I, I like the subtext in Shane more so than kind of what was really just playing out in the storyline. But uh, that was fun, and it stimulated a lot of conversation, and I hope you enjoyed that. So if you have any feedback on this episode or give your thoughts on Shane, head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can find this podcast posting page, and you can give your thoughts and ideas about Shane during the con- uh, conversation we've had on this episode. While you are there, click on the Amazon.com link on the front page. You can go there and do all of your shopping you need at Amazon. Buy some new bike tires, buy some headphones. No, go Sweet Audio, do that. Uh, buy some DVDs, buy a Blu-ray player, buy a TV. <laughs> It's not going to cost you any extra, 
but a little bit will come back to major spoilers to help keep us going uh, week after week after week. Next week, we're going to jump back into some Hitchcock as we watch and talk about Rear Window on Zach Honcho.